Welcome to First Coat, where we explore public realm art, how it's made, and why it matters. I'm your host, Stephanie Ecce, an artist and entrepreneur based in Brooklyn, New York. I run Distill Creative, where I curate and produce site-specific art projects for real estate developers. I focus on creating more equitable and inclusive projects, and I want to get more exposure for the artists and developers doing this work. This week on First Coat, we have Magda Love. Born in Argentina, Magda has lived in New York City for more than a decade. She's mostly known by her colorful street art and big public works. Her aim is to inspire dialogue about personal experience and prompt a thoughtful pause in the roller coaster of life. She's had many commissioned murals with clients who include Brooklyn Industries, New Hotel, Modern Sky Music Festival, Governor's Ball Festival, the Surfrider Foundation, NYC, and many more organizations and businesses. Her work's also been featured in Complex Magazine, New York Inc., 12 Canvases Documentary, Art is Life documentary, Time Out New York, and many other places. I spoke to Magda about her fine art practice, her public art practice, her mural process, how she integrates herself into new communities all the time, what it's like to feel like an outsider, and how how to make a living as an artist. Magda Love also gives tips for working on a commissioned project, and she also gives some great tips for organizations and real estate developers or businesses who are commissioning a public art project. We also talk about being Latina and what that means right now. We recorded this interview a few months ago, and I really think some of the things that I talked about with Magda when we recorded this interview have really influenced my own art practice. So yeah, just editing this this episode was really nice because I got to revisit this conversation and kind of put put some dots together. Magda Love has been a personal inspiration to me and my own art practice and life, honestly, and I am just so excited to share this conversation. So here it is. Welcome to First Coat. I'm so excited to have Magda Love here today. You may know Magda from her colorful street art on Instagram, we will be talking about a little bit, her immersive installations or her artwork as seen in galleries. I regularly walk by her murals in Brooklyn, (laughs) but I actually met her at one of her solo shows in the Lower East Side. Magda is from Argentina and she's been based in New York City for, I think the past 10 years or so? Yeah, um, 15. (laughs) Long time, 15. And she's currently back in Buenos Aires. And yeah, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a great thing to talk to you again. Yeah. <laughs> it's <was> great times. <laughs> it's nice to see you in your space. And how, how's it going over there? Going. I think like I'm trying to like say, remain positive, but the lockdown here is very strict. So lots of shops are closed and we don't really have Amazon. So it's been hard to get a handle of art supplies, even though I had days that I didn't feel creative at all. And I'm like, I hate this. I hate everything that's happening. And, you know, I also had days that I were like super productive. And I, I, you know, I started painting like seven new paintings and I have like many, many like little stuff on paper and sketched a lot. So at least it has been productive. Just trying to do what is under my control is everything I have in my roof and my hands. So <laughs> try to use that to, I don't know, to stay positive. That's really basically all we can do. <laughs> You've painted on all kinds of surfaces. Like <laughs> when I was researching your work more, because I, I've seen it and I've, I've seen your work in person, but I didn't really, I guess I, I'm really impressed by all the types of things you've you've painted on like it's not just canvas and walls but like sails and skateboards and shipping containers and protest posters 
in an article about a mural you did in South Florida, you said, I think about it just like a big piece of paper. When I paint a five-story building, it's a gigantic piece of paper. When I paint a car, it's a gigantic piece of metallic paper. How do you approach different surfaces? And how has that changed now that you're working on canvas again? First of all, like you have to know about the material that you choose, the, you know, the material. And I think that comes with trial and error. For example, for the sail, it's also challenging because you have to think that it's going to be exposed to a lot of water and, and going to be exposed to like a lot of sun. So you have to, you know, do your research and think about what's a, what's going to be the best, the best brand. I actually use spray paint, but for example, the Montana Black for me has like, with the colors of the most pigment you know so the colors the bright colors last way longer than in my experience of any other brand so I use that even though you know they like like medium pressure they don't go but you know they're not like the 94 or the gold that they're like well, really slow you don't have the same you know you get used to it and you handle it kind of the same way but it's not as manageable as as the really really low pressure but you know I love the colors so I use I, I use that brand for most of the sale using like in some cases for example ex one obviously exterior but for example I realized when I was painting the car that not only I use oil base but the ones that they were like I never use gloss paint but for that the glossy paint really worked for the car for example so you know I think like trying different combos when you try something new it, it's a it's a best way but yeah it's going to take a lot of frustration and like a lot of trial and error you know <laughs> I do a little bit of research, but I, I guess I'm like kind of like an empirist, you know, I, I learn everything the hard way. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, damn it, I have to run to Home Depot again, you know, <laughs> so like basically that, that's how it is. I think also the great thing of painting different stuff is like how people can experience what you're trying to say through your art in a different sort of like message, right? Because it's not the same thing to walk into an installation that like seeing a car going by. So I always think about how each thing that I do can sort of like complement to that experience that I want people to have when they look at my art. Yeah, that's why I, I, must, I also love painting different stuff because, you know, it gets too boring to do the same thing all over again. Even with my canvas, sometimes I make them round, sometimes I make them like oval, like just to change up stuff around or like I do the canvas and I do like installation piece like connected to the canvas. Just sort of like spice things up all the time. That's pretty much my personality. <laughs> Can you tell us more about the sculptures you've been working on? Yeah, actually, you know, not a lot of people know, but my father is a sculptor. And I grew up sort of seeing him doing work, you know, and uh, I always thought it's a really challenging experience. Let's say paint, if you make a mistake, you can cover it, patch it up, paint it again. But, you know, if you're sculpting wood and you mess something up, I mean, you, you can't glue that piece back. It just doesn't work that way, you know. I think that's a different thought, but they're also like a really beautiful thing. When I uh, won that award in Southern Vermont Art Center and I was invited to do the residency and I had a solo show. During a month, I, I, I worked in sculpting this huge totem pole that I'm not sure if you've seen it, but um, there's two huge totem poles with these wings and... And I mean, first, I, this mellow wood really reminds me of my my childhood. So it brings this certain nostalgia for me. Um, and and I and it's just like feel like, oh, you're like you're having the tree literally because we, we picked the tree 
from like a fallen down farm and the local farmers helped me drag it to there. And I kind of really liked the very different experience of working that with work. I said, it really felt like more like part of nature. And the name of the show was Home Sweet Home. So it really spoke about like how we take care of our resources and and just local decisions that we do. And I mean, and I think as artists also too in our practice to not, so, not only embrace the cause, but also how our practice can become more sustainable, right? So we pick the tree, they drag it into the center grounds, having to learn a lot of stuff of different tools that, I mean, I knew I'm a pretty hardcore with power tools. I love them. But, you know, with different kind of woods that we use, like uh, a kind of pine that is really solid. I mean, I was carving for one month, so that was definitely out of my comfort zone. It was really physically demanding. I liked it also the idea of like the 3D space thought. You know, it's very different than painting something flat. You know, when I did the totem pole, so you got to think about the sides and they're like, oh, this is going to be the photo, but then people going to walk up around it and you have to have a very different attention to detail you have to think in terms of like the function and especially when it was such a big sculpture you got to think about in, in terms of safety you got to think about the terms of fucking function and we're not usually worried about a mural falling on top of somebody's head <laughs> so like there's a lot of other like technical stuff that you have to think but i feel like in a 3d medium it's almost like let's say you can think about a car being a sculpture i just didn't make it there is a different experience on like the 3d and like i feel like when it was an object in a way that you can hold i don't know it just feels more like I don't know, more like a belonging. I don't know. I, I, I kind of really enjoy it and I love the idea that it's like also like wood because I feel like it's kind of like alive. I mean, literally, you know, I mean, wood is actually still alive and it will like go through a cycle of life even when it's reused by the human being, you know. But this was the first place in the US of eliminating totally like Native Americans. So I thought to make a homage to all those people that lived there at that time. Obviously, there's a, a little bit of a controversy how a person should not do something that is a symbol or so, you know, sacred for natives in the, in the Northwest. But I took it as, as it's, it doesn't look anything traditional. Obviously, it looks very much like my art. A sort of like a homage to, an Argentinian homage to, you know, those that, live there you know especially when you read a little more history and everything and I the people from Vermont and the director of the center that were like so supportive they like I think they were panicking because they were like how are you going to do that in like you know after we carve it all and we put it up and you know try to set up the wings that they were like super heavy you know the thing is like really tall it's like 14 feet high they were like how we're we not going to kill anybody that comes visit the art center <laughs> you know like what if it falls? I mean, outside in Vermont, also you have to think about extreme weather conditions because it's under snow half of the time. So we gotta protect it with. with. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like use also this lockdown to learn a lot more about construction stuff, consulting with contractors and stuff because I, I want to do more sculptures here. And I originally came to Argentina to do a few projects and, you know, end up here on the lockdowns. You know, wanted to see, you know, family and everything, which we can't now, which is hard. But the great thing also here, we have universities here, like public universities are free. So there's a lot of classes and everything to do like for free. So I, I'm think considering maybe learning more about materials and, you know, construction and stuff. And 
you know, my dad is here too, so he knows a lot about that. So I can squeeze knowledge out of him while I'm here. My mother has like a gigantic pile of wood, so I am actually already started sculpting a few things. And for installation, I started training doing like a papier mache uh, sculpture just to like add details or whatever. So I'm in experimenting mood now. So. But I feel like I should start getting bored if I just paint the canvas now. So I need to like try doing different things. I'm excited to see your work in a few months. <laughs> see all the things. You yeah, do. I mean it's a it's a lot of like it's a lot of stuff in the oven right now. And I I also usually work in a lot of things at the same time. You know, sometimes when I'm at a deadline and I have to push one painting to finish, it's very painful for me. You know, it's like very difficult because I feel like I'm in this like toxic, very claustrophobic relationship. And I'm like, I probably messed it up, you know. <laughs> so I usually when I make paintings I and I do stuff for the work, I cover the whole room with things like um uh, and I, I start and I start and I go and I move away from things and like I now started knitting so I sit in the studio knitting and I'm looking at the stuff because you know my hands need to be moving but I have the time to observe and since a lot of them i had like a, a residence in qatar that it's been moved i had a project in greece that you know it's been moved the project in new york also they're all like postponed i think like one of the things that i was struggling for the past year i was very very busy and i was always struggling with time and now you know i sleep late without guilt you know i'm connecting with my kid all day long so that guilt of like just not having enough time disappear so i i'm trying to it, it's just like a completely different experience you know but you know it's different to remain productive with deadlines or without deadlines so i'm just you know what if i one day i don't paint i i make sure i do something else that i feel like but i i, I just trying to embrace the fact that we don't have to be productive 24 7 you know and i that's i think was the hardest lesson for me to learn the 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 first 50 days you know like maybe it's good it's okay not to be as productive you know like maybe it's fine just to rest a little bit a little bit you know so when you especially when you know people that we paint murals obviously we have a lot of energy that's why we picked that in the first place so it's it's uh canalizing channelizing all that energy it's you know it's it, it can be challenging when you're in lockdown but i don't know um it, it, it's definitely nice to explore different things you know but i mean i do miss like painting outside and painting murals a lot at this time so we'll see that's you know also analyzing of like the painting murals is such a social like activity you know it's such a social part of your practice that, and i think it has to do with that you know that we also in lockdown and we're not allowed to have that social thing in our life and i i'm such a warm person and i think people is such a big part of my practice you know because when i'm not doing the murals i do the community murals last week i did a class to a lot of the students of cds on zoom so i still like do a lot of that but you know when i'm in a class or when I, I i i give a workshop i right away can feel like the emotion and the and how much is touching certain people or not right i mean both ways but in zoom like you know when people sending message you're making a slideshow you know maybe people is making comments remarks and you not really are able to absorb that experience that the other person is getting and it's and i think like one of the reasons why i like to you know, mentor or teach to teenagers is to feel like they are inspired to take it to their practice or to like 
make questions or questions themselves and stuff like that. But when you're not able to see that communication is being effective, you can't really feel it, you know. It's really difficult for me to like keep talking for two hours to a group of teenagers. You know, maybe they're like scratching their heads and they don't care, you know, but it's just, I don't know. The digital world, it's like a whole different thing, you know, that when you're stepping in a classroom and you are like having that human connection with people, you know, and I think you have a different impact on people that way too. In an interview, I read of you with Heart of Cool. You said, during my teenage years, I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. Yeah. I felt similarly in my teenage years. I think I grew up in a very white community of a lot of Mormons, actually, and my family was Catholic and Mexican. And I always felt like I was, I just, I never belonged with, with like the blonde hair girls, but I also didn't really feel Mexican. And I kind of pushed away from it when I was a child. Like my mom wanted me to do like ballet flocorico and things like that. And I just thought it was (laughs) the grossest thing in the world. And I didn't want to like learn Spanish at first. And eventually, you know, as I grew up and learned more about, I don't know, just I realized how much of an asshole I was as a child to my parents probably. And now I'm so obsessed and learning so much about Mexican history and my own culture and and how we fit into the world as like Mexican-Americans, Chicana, all of that. I'm wondering how how that was for you. I think, you know, also, I, I honestly am such a, I mean, I mean, I was such a brat, you know, I, I, I grew up in a huge family and like a very like loud and drama and like my mom had like seven brothers and sisters, well, one passed, but uh, they all have like at least like three, four kids. Like, you know, we like, every time we have like a Christmas with a hundred, like a hundred people, like literally almost like of the countryside. And, you know, my mom used to take us in the, in the weekends to my grandparents and they moved to the countryside because they like, you know, they were tired of the city. And like, so we like ride horses and we're in nature. And, you know, I, my, my parents been divorced forever, but like my mom, like I, I did ballet for like eight years. I did tap dancing. I did jazz. I did guitar. I did singing classes. I did, <laughs> I did it all basically, you know, like I, I, I tried every sort of like artistic, you know, thing that you can. And poor my mother, she like paid for all of that, you know, like, but I think the not belonging that that was the question. I always like started drifting away from the question. Um, I think like the not belonging, it's like a sense that in a way I still have now, you know, I think if that, that's sort of like showing, you know, it's, it's also hard to like go, go, you come back home you haven't lived in, I haven't lived home in 20 years. So like, I, of course, don't have, like, my really close friends are in New York, you know, and it's just sort of that sense of, like, yeah, I mean, my home is not here, but it's not there anymore. It's just, you know, I always been sort of, like, in the edge of the in-betweens, you know, and I think in a way, it's like, it's a, it's a blessing, but it's a curse, you know, in a way, because, you know, and, and I think a lot of with the artists now and how global the world is you know i mean i can be in mexico one month and feel like super comfortable you know or i can be in a place in a couple of weeks in the middle of nowhere and like i feel super comfortable because i'm really easily adaptable but it's also really difficult for others around you you know that you can't really sit still you know i i never really i think as a as a child you know feel like understood it i felt that i had all these things in, in a universe inside me that i could not like put it out and i feel like in a way like now as a i guess professional artist you know i'm able to do that you know but also like 
a lot of people in my family are very conservative. So like, you know, in Argentina still is not like an honorable, an honorable thing to be an artist. So how you are an artist? How you make money being an artist? How you, like, you know, it's like this huge like cliche that there is spread around of like how artists is not like, you know, a profitable or, or, or respectable, like, you know, way of living, you know? Oh, she's crazy. That's 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 basically it. And I and I think you know, I mean, I'm I I'm okay with that now because I'm a, a full grown adult. But I think I also understood, you know, why I left when I have to leave and I went to New York and I sort of like forged my own path without all the opinions of you know family and people and and you know it's like it's great to be back and like you know course like you know my fam, my mom is like my number one fan but like it's just sort of like in a way to also like show a lot of those people how you know yes you know you're still selling paintings and you're still doing stuff and I mean the thing of the groups I don't know I never really concerned like I have even in the art world like I have a few friends that they're artists but from artists from very different environments and I sort of like become friends I, I, I don't know I never like was like a group of, of, of something and even like when I have a membership of stuff I am always like hi bye bye hi and like you know I make unique friends everywhere but I honestly like I also changed so much and I think I evolved so much that I could never subscribe to a group of people that think in a very precise way because I think thought is like an, an always evolving thing. And I don't know, I, I think I also, I always like the idea also that I'm able to go in and out of, of friends. That's why I never really subscribe to like, oh, are you this, are you that? Are you like, I don't like, I think, all those labels that groups bring you are not are not really like I mean don't go don't really match with like humans we are that we're always always changing and always evolving. I don't want to say that I'm this or I'm that. And like you know, I, I think I will probably be correcting myself a couple of years later. You know, if I <laughs> if I do that, but I think it's nice to have the freedom. Like for me, it was a terrifying thing when I was younger, but now I think that it's really nice to have the freedom to come in and out of as many groups as as you can you know i think as great it is it's also like really terrifying to not feel like fully protected by a group of people all the time so like you know for every decision that you make and everything that you want to adopt in your life you have to know that there's like a backhand you know coming to get you also you know but those are the choices that you make you know you can have like the full freedom and all these things without being conscious that you also might not have all the support of a group, not have all the other stuff that like belong to a bigger thing. You know, a lot of people look for that for safety. And for me, it's very understandable. But um, yeah, I mean, you have to be conscious about the choices that you make because, you know, they have always a good and a bad side of it. Can you talk us through your process when you're working with a community for whether it's a mural project or how you did in your residency I think you did you taught with students there also as part of that yeah, I mean the, the you know most of the residencies in museums now they have a community component I mean because museums are all desperate to have like you know family involvement and all the things so they took me on a tour I went to visit like three four how many schools did I want I want to like want I got like five, six schools in Vermont. I spoke with the little kids and like also one of them might give me Spanish or 
she's sort of like I work with the teachers to see because I mean it was just one period so I teach like a slideshow or something um, and I try to make it fun because it's like different ages and that's kind of like easy like I, I'm, I'm definitely a people's person I mean when I'm in the mood right I'm definitely a people's person and I love kids and I love kids I mean even older kids teenagers they can be total assholes but like when you get the good ones it's like really amazing energy you know and I think like I mean kids have way cooler energy than adults in general so like they're much easier to work with because I know how to get them excited you know in a way I still feel a child like now than 41 so for me, it's very easy to connect with that energy. But for example, let's talk about like my my first community project that I think it really changed the way that I I, I thought about my art practice. You know, I um I painted in in Cambodia with like together one heart and like um beautiful freedom. We were going to work with a group of girls that rescued from sex trafficking. So that was really difficult just to like absorb that reality. But I, I spent some time in the hotel, like just reading about all the traditions there. We met the Prince of Cambodia and, you know, asking questions and going for lunch with the people that handle the, you know, the, the home. And the girls like used to go to school during the, uh, during the morning and then come back and paint. But I also like help other artists for other workshops. And luckily mine was the last workshop. So I got to experience a little bit of like their life and, how they, you know, they manage themselves and they would tell me about things that they think that they're beautiful. Like, I don't know, like they told me these stories about the lotus flower, how you have this super beautiful pink delicate flower coming out of the dirt in the mud. And I thought it was like, you know, that's something really that clicked and stick with me because I think, you know, that's, that's really like humanity, you know, out of like the worst circumstances, like sort of rebirth from dirt and become this really beautiful pink flower, you know? I thought that that was a very, very, something that I could really connect with that concept, you know? It's just this concept of rebirth and magic and like, and then I went to, they took us to some of the, you know, the neighborhoods where these girls are like born. And I mean, I mean, I, I never seen like some, I mean, in South America, you see some places like this, but like the favelas in Rio seem nice next to some of the places that we visit. And you know how a lot of the girls had like HIV, like most of the girls in, in the thing, all of the girls had HIV. Like there's so many realities there that, I mean, it's, it's just like really overwhelming. Like for me, I'm very sensitive. So it's very hard to like, you can't do it, like go there and start crying. You know, like, I mean, it's just, it wouldn't seem right. But we went to one of the huts of the, one of the local women that we were talking about with obviously with a translator, a lot of our kids. And I was telling her that I also had a son and stuff. And she was telling me that our kids at that point, like, were the same age. And she was telling me how she considered to give up her daughter because she was the only girl that didn't have, like, HIV in the town, in the little, in the little neighborhood. So she was considering, like, check her in into the home where these girls, where the organization are working, because she didn't want her daughter to be raped and to get HIV. And for me, it was like, that was like a moment that it was transforming forever. First, because honestly, here, here we are two women that were like completely different. But, you know, I, 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 I thought like we talked for a really long time while all the team, everybody kept walking and moving. I just sat with her in her bed and we like, you know, the translator had this conversation. And, and, and in bottom line, it's just really... I mean, obviously, I first was thankful not to ever have to be in that position. But 
I think like it really brought power into like how transforming traveling and making murals can be in places that nobody goes and nobody cares to go, right? I mean, making a mural in the Bushwick Collective is great for your following, but I mean, how much did it add to the people that see it every day, you know? And I, and I think there is a special thing that is put on, on the universe when you make work for people that really, really values it. And I don't think that it's gonna change lives but I think it's going to inspire maybe a few of those people to either be creative or it's just to make them feel good when you have a shitty life all the time. If every time you go by and you see that mural and it makes you feel good, I feel like mission accomplished, you know? But I, I also, I say like a lot of times the people that travel with NGOs, they go with, it's like, oh, I'm going to teach, um, you know, like try to impose their views to like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. And, and, and I, I, I think that I learned so much more than I thought on that project, you know? And it really made me change my, I, I haven't worked that much with NGOs anymore after that because I now prefer to make those projects individually, straight, directly with the people of the local region because I think you have a much more direct and human experience. And for me, there's a lot more value to be in, interpreted locally and not curated by somebody that doesn't live there, you know? You become part but, of their community instead of an outsider exactly. coming in. Exactly. And I come with a whole group and this and, 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 and I just want to go there as, as an individual. And then also, too, a lot of these NGOs, you know, you don't know where the money goes, you don't know whatever. Like, I feel like as that, like, you know, when I went to an Apache reservation and we went as individuals with my friend, there's also a skateboarder and stuff, and it was a very different uh, experience. It was very cathartic. It was very, like, you know, the the local, um, Miles, that is the founder of Apache Skateboards, uh, you know, he also paints, he walked us, and it was, like, a very different experience. You're like there with the locals all the time, not eating with the, the group of people that you travel, you know, 30 hours. It's, it's, it's a very different, it's very different experience. But that also like, it really just taught me that what I had to say through my work, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, well, you paint a lot of brown girls or you paint this and everything. But like for me, when I paint women, I don't really care what, what color they are. I mean, like, I, I make a lot of brown girls because I think they look gorgeous, but I think more than anything has taught me that like, you know, like the struggle of like humans, obviously besides, you know, the, the socioeconomical challenges, spiritually and psychologically, we all want the same things in life, you know, like that it's to like our family, our children to grow up with dignity, to be educated, to have food on our plates, to be in love, to have our family, like, you know, base, the basic wants and needs of human beings across the world are all the same, you know? Forget about all the material stuff, you know, but we all want to be in love. We all want to have kids and to them to be safe and to have dignity and opportunities. And I mean, so I, I think like through that is some, something that I understood. I mean, I understood it as a person before, but I think like when you see it through your artwork, you travel and you do work with different eyes. You know, when I painted in Flint, Michigan, I went three times in the same year. And one of the local girls in the community told me like, we had like over 45 artists here coming. Nobody sat down with us to ask the questions that you're asking, Wow. you know, to represent our work. They came, they paint a car, they come, they paint these. Like, and I, I think when you're working with people that felt like unheard for so long, 
it's so important that they become part of the of what what is being said in that mural. So, and I think I always felt, you know, I love talking, but it's something that with time I learned is to like shut up and listen to the other person has to say, you know. And 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 I think that has been in a lot of value of my experience of on traveling, you know, in Mexico and you know in Flint, Michigan. It's like I have like a second home in the states now. Like you know, they're like, when are you gonna come back? And like you know, we always trying to figure out how we can make projects. The people from Flint Public Art Project they just started this mission and they they write grants, they invite artists, they like try to bring joy into the community. And like I love it because one of the first rules that they have for the murals is like you don't paint anything about water nothing because you know they don't want to hear about it anymore it's like it's still a problem their vision for the community is to have this like joyful experience in their daily lives not to protest what they already know about you know uh, i did two big community are you an artist there, but submit like, your portfolio I, I did, like, at distillcreative.com slash artist like, you'll get on like, our distill you know, directory our artist database like, and be considered for upcoming art commissions. Like, you know, I'm like talking yeah. in the church and stuff. And, and, you know, in the beginning, you know, obviously everybody looked at you suspicious. Like, you know, but, you know, at, at the end of the project, you know, like you're all hugging each other. That's something that it was really touching to me. Like the last time when I went, it was during the festival. And one of the local girls said say that to me, like, you know, like, because they invite a few people into their house for dinner, but there was other artists in town. And I felt bad because I wanted to also be with the other artists. And like, you know, that's me. And the fear of missing out is always real. <laughs> but when she said that to me, I felt like, you know, that that's really my goal, that every time that I travel, like, I really sick not to connect with everybody, but to connect to those people that understand what you do and why you're doing it. And it's really just keep creating beautiful bonds in between human beings. That's really for me what my, my work is about. And when I travel and when I make in the studio, I feel like if I paint things that like mean deep things to me that move me emotionally, probably there's going to be a few people that can relate with that emotion, you know? Besides the technique that is you know, obviously your responsibility to always continue to proficient, you know, like, I think the most important thing is to not only have something to say, but, you know, offer, offer an emotion to others, you know, like, that we can all connect through that, because, I mean, that's the only way that universally human beings can connect, you know, that is through that psychological feeling of emotion, you know, that's, it's, that's really it. The experience of Cambodia, I think like, you know, there's things that you, in, through your intuition, you kind of always know, but that trip really like put it on my face and you're like, oh, this is the epiphany. You know, that this is, when when you always thought about theoretically was the case, this is it, you know, that's, that's yeah, you were right. You're on the right track, keep going now, <laughs> you know? Are you an artist? Submit your portfolio at distillcreative.com slash artist. You'll get on our Distill directory, our artist database, and be considered for upcoming art commissions. Do you have any tips for other artists or also organizations who commission artists to come into a community on how to better create that connection? Because it sounds like you need to have a certain amount of courage and obviously empathy and curiosity and ability to like some some outgoingness but not not everyone is that outgoing or maybe they don't feel like they are allowed to connect with people when they're doing a project in, in another place like 
Do you have any tips for how to facilitate I think that? that? They, I think the tips, that the tips for the artists are very different than the tips for the people that are, are working with the artists. But I think for the artists, I, I just think like that is what comes naturally to me. So, you know, I think like being yourself is always the best way to, I mean, it's so cliche and so stupid to say that, but like, it's really the best way to connect with people because I think like people know when you're bullshitting them, you know? So like, just be direct. And if you want something, don't like go beat around the bush. Like in Mexico, they laugh about me because when I ask for stuff, you know, they say like, oh, ahorita, or like, and I'm like five minutes ahorita or five hours ahorita. Like, you know, like, and, and they laugh that I'm like that because they are, everything goes with a lot of calm, but I don't have a lot of calm. So like when I come, I already prepare myself like, okay, I make this ahead so they have it like a week before, you know. I think just, you know, you have to be genuine, you know, and you have to like, if you're a pain in the ass, you have to come to terms with that and try to be less of a pain in the ass. And, you know, respect that there's different timings for different things. You have to be flexible. Like, you know, I paid, for example, with spray paint. Like, when I went to Cambodia, there was no spray paint. There barely any food. Like, try to be able to be flexible and work with everything you have. If you don't have a projector, if you don't have this, you don't have that, you know what? Learn to work without it. Because if you are traveling, it's your job to work with the least resources possible. Like, you know, try yourself to work with the least resources possible if your goal is to travel, you know? Like, and then another tip is like, you know, honestly, like, stop complaining and, and like keep working because nobody cares like the truth is like yeah you can make some connections and you know with the people that you connect with like keep working with them and then other things like will will flow like for me like i'm not doing that right now but like i always even when i was the busiest i send emails all the time i make research of the people that i want to work with i i make research of the i don't know art centers or like galleries that i feel like they have art that they would appreciate my art you know the opportunities don't gonna come to knock on your door i mean sometimes i do you know after a while but the truth is you know last year for example i applied for like like a couple of grants and i won like you know i was finalist in the sustainable art award I won something with um, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Artists Alliance, and I won something. I did something with Art Bridge too. You know, like apply to think, take the time to sit down. Also, like when you're writing these things, you will learn a lot about your practice. You know, learn to edit yourself, learn to really communicate these things. You know, also make a research for the things that you apply. You have to research these things because you cannot just send like a, you know, the same email to everybody because people can tell. I mean, I can tell when people send me the same emails to everybody, like spend your time wisely, make a research and then focus on, 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 on the targets, you know, and like honest and just be honest, like send an email and like say like, I would love to work with you. Like how about having a show together? What are the steps? Are we interested? Like, you know, but the truth is like, if you write to the right people, you know that they probably will be interested. You know, if not, don't write to them because it's a waste of time. But, you know, do research and stay and stay focused and, you know, work your ass off. Like, really, like, there's no other, it's not like a magical formula that you can offer to people, you know? Don't get, don't get discouraged, you know? A lot of times, you know, you don't hear back from these people or a lot of people, I mean, I have heard in my own show, some people saying like, oh, I don't even know how she get all this stuff. She's not even that good. You know, like, I mean, people will say those things and it's okay. That's their opinion. You know, you have a different opinion, you know, like, so it's just sort of like, don't be discouraged, but like bad feedback, you know, just 
keep doing work, stay in and dedicate time for your work to keep improving and research and contact people. It's just, it's not really like much more to it, you know, I mean, and, and you have to be willing to get uncomfortable. Like, I mean, art is all about like feel uncertainty and every time you start a piece of canvas you know like I mean I remember when I started a six-story mural like I was like don't fuck this up don't fuck this up you know like that anguish that uncertainty like you know you you know once you relax and you don't worry you really enjoy it you know but don't overthink it because yes you know we all have different personalities but you know just try to enjoy the path that you took you know it's gonna get muddy sometimes but you know enjoy the path it's, it's part of all of the journey there's a lot of ups and downs in the in the art world but you have to be willing to work harder than anybody. I mean, that's just really the, the only way. And then I think that's why some artists have like the careers they have and some don't, you know, like, you know, really the purpose that you're making your art for, you know, you're really thinking about like having 10,000 followers more or to end up in the Met one day. I don't know, like, you know, you what's your, you know, it's, it's very important to have like, you know, goals out there like short term, but, you know, you have to think about the long run, you know, and the longevity of your artwork. I mean, those are, I mean, at least I think, you know, everybody, this is like the things that I, I, I think to myself, you know, some people maybe make pieces of art to burn them in next week. I don't know. Everybody's different, but I think you have to think about the long term, you know, so you don't have this constant anxiety of the present, you know, just so if you're like doing your artwork and you're, and you're doing research, then you're respecting your practice, you know, I think for me, it's something that I also try to communicate to younger people you know you're like in a rush to like conquer the world and to show to everybody i have so much stuff that i haven't shown people because i don't think that they're good enough you know just respect your time and if it's not good enough it's not ready don't show it wait you know how do you know when it's ready like i mean you how, never how has really, that changed over time for you i mean you never know that it's fully ready and you will always add stuff last minute you know but you i think like it's it, more than the piece also being ready is like you being ready you know if you're not ready to receive like negative criticism you're not ready that's not ready you know because you have to i mean it sucks to hear it but it's it's the truth you know like sometimes some of the work we do is not great you know it happens less and less the more you do it but not everything you're going to do is great. I mean, as human beings, not all our actions are great. You know, like there's stuff that we have regrets about. And I think with artwork, it's the same way. I, I very much accept my art as part of my life. And I, and I know as human beings, I have good days, bad days, failures, great things, amazing stuff. You should sort of like hopefully allow all the great days to arrive at the same painting at the same time <laughs> you know throughout the time that's why i try not to be in a rush for things anymore but you know you have to you have to accept a lot of times i finished painting and they were like oh i wish i would have done but i'm not gonna do it just leave it like that for the next weeks you know i don't know it's just um it's not really like a, a huge advice it's just really like you know ask yourself these things and then enjoy it and work really hard be prepared you know that's another thing you have to do research about the places you travel you have to do research about materials reference in history you know your own culture the places you paint I mean you know I mean the truth is like even though you know I chose not to have a formal education you know I, I, you know, I read a lot and I do a lot of research and I think that's very important and it shows, you know, to the people when you, 
with the seriousness that you take the project. When I had to do the project with Google, like I had to set, sit and do a presentation for this group of people. They're all studying Harvard. They're like, you know, and it, you have to know about what you're talking, you know, what are you talking about? You know, it's very important that you're prepared, that you prepare yourself to defend your work, that, you know, that you have like a, a backbone of knowledge in a way. You know, I, I, I take the technical part of making art and, you know, the part of knowledge seriously I think educating yourself is very important especially to defend the work that you're doing you know I mean yes a lot of the things we should do it because we do it but you know when you're older there you know there's an understanding of why you know there's a there's a reason why Stephanie now wants to do the folklore dances that before didn't care about there is a reason behind all that stuff so we understand I think with time you know I think that's another thing I started making I guess officially like I guess not getting paid for anything else artists as an old older person you know so i never had the experience of a young person that sometimes there's like super gifted young artists are like 21 22 and they're so gifted like they have no self-doubt it's amazing but you know let's say that that's really not the majority you know like i think when you're older you know you have different different priorities you know for all of us our artists and their parents it's like you know it's like a whole different it's a whole different experience but you know i mean bottom line it just comes down to like do your homework and work really hard prepare to have a lot of criticism you know because that's, that's just how it is you know i mean who cares it's people's opinions i think like when you work really hard and you're like happy with your work all people's opinions not don't really count you know for good and for bad eh? because sometimes you go, oh i love it it's great I mean, it's nice for a little bit, but that doesn't really like, also like, oh my God, amazing. You know what I mean? Like I try to take the good criticism and the bad criticism, like scopes into things that maybe I need to work in both ends, but I, I don't, I try not to take it so seriously both ways. And then, oh, and then the other one was for organizations I want to work with artists. It's the same way, do your research, you know, like some people hire you and they want you to do something that is not your work. Make sure that you pick the artist with the same vision. Talk to people that work with them before. I mean, I have a lot of friends that produce artwork and they were like, we will never work with that person again. Like, it was a disaster, you know, like not everybody has the same work ethic too, you know. And that's another big thing, you know, you're going to work with people, like make sure that you always leave stuff in, and sometimes it's impossible, but like I usually... I don't know if I'm lucky or because I also now do my research. I usually have good experiences in working, like, you know, these past years. I mean, in between artists, we do that all the time. Like, oh, how was this person? Or what do you know about this person? You know, like, I think it's just sort of like, really think about the project that you have and hire the right person for the project. Because artists, we, we do our work. And then I think, like, always a great fit is, like, when both people are allowed to get the final result and the artists are able to be faithful to their, to their work. You know, there's not really much more around it. Both parties need to do the work. I, you know, sometimes like people have called me like, oh, we love your work, whatever. And then like ask you to do something that you're like, you say you love my work. That's definitely not my work. <laughs> like, you know, do your work and work with people that like, you know, that they're like, get their work done. You know, I, I, I heard a lot of like nightmare projects of incomplete stuff or delayed things, you know. I, I usually, when I start a project because I'm busy, I work, I work, 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 and I try to get it done, you know, like, so I can move to the next project. But a lot of people are, don't think like that. You know, I paint, I paint like double-decker bus and two murals in five days, you know, in Mexico. I mean, with assistance, you know, but I also, because I'm a mom and like, I did, you know, and that trip, I didn't actually, that trip, I took my kid with me. So even he was painting with me and like, we were like, 
literally almost about to lose, uh, miss the flight, and I arrive covered in paint into the airport and travel with my painting clothes. Like, you know, that's how close to lose the plane we were. Like, you know, so it's just sort of like, you know, know what you're getting into. Like, I think I'm a person that try not to have too many requests for organizations and for productions. It's very important to also ask the artist what is that you need, you know, so you don't get caught out of surprise. You know, it's just, Prepare yourself and have all the stuff that the person is going to need to to work, you know. For artists, I think when you don't have things that you need to work, like it's good to know ahead of time so you're like prepared, you know. It's really basic. I think like if you pick the, the person that you know is going to do their job right, you don't really have to worry about that. But, you know, communication is it's uh, always the best way to sort of throw the stuff and uh, I think preparation always is important for murals especially because you spend so many hours and if you're not having an assistant at that moment you know or, or let's say like having all the stuff you need there like really makes your job so much easier because you know you have to be moving all this paint while going to get more paint you know like yeah make sure that you know the production of the project I think like production of projects is like basically 70% of the project almost like because it's so important I don't know when you're painting and like you know having like a little meal or stuff like little things like this change so much the day of work you know like I'm being hungry all day I want a coffee I'm cold like when I go to paint I have a bag of like uh, clean clothes this that like you know like extra mask like you know I mean because I was way too cold I was way too hot I mean like had all those stuff and now that I'm old like I want to be more comfortable when I'm painting you know so it's nice to have all the things that you need because it also shows in your work when you're like in a good mood painting or when you're in a shit mood painting, you know? So like try to like, you know, be well prepared. But I think if you're an organization that can provide that, like I think for one person to be dedicated to production that ask, hey, what are the things you're going to need? What time do you want us to bring you a meal? Like little things like that, you know? That's really good advice for for organizations and the people who have money to do to hire artists for commissions, especially since it's becoming more and more popular, I think, in all types of businesses, which is. Yeah. Are you a real estate developer looking for a unique amenity for your site? Get our free guide, 10 tips for commissioning a site-specific artwork at our website, distillcreative.com. Another question I wanted to ask, how do you think art in public spaces affects real estate? Ah, oh, that's complicated because I think honestly, like, I mean, especially in places like New York and in Bushwick, it has such a complicated, like, story of gentrification, you know? And, and I think for a lot of locals, it's kind of like a bad word. And I, and I think in a way, like, I think artists, they were like, okay, there's very few people that get still paid because for some reason that I cannot fathom, like, there's people still painting for free in, in Bushwick or places like this for new buildings. And I'm just, these people have millions of dollars. Why people continue painting for free, I don't know. It, it, it can't find a room in my brain. But I think if the vision of what you're trying to say and the principle of the company, it's right, there's no problem. You know, I mean, we all make, need to make a living, you know? And I think it's certainly better to have like a mural than like a block of like cement. So I, for example, you know, when I work, did the project with Sidias for some of our donors, I said, besides do do uh, donating for the project, I would ask the people to donate some money for their program of the school. 
So like sometimes, you know, like for example, there was a, a commission of a big hotel that was opening in Brooklyn, but now it's on a whole. They were getting so much criticizing from like the local community that they were, the way that they were approaching it, they were like, well, we know we want to do it with you because we know that you work with a lot of like local communities and then we can see how we can contribute and like bring those communities and bring those kids and bring all those people and make them part of this so they don't feel alienated by us opening in this neighborhood. So I feel like, you know, they already knew it, but because they were aware, some people don't really care of being aware, but you know, I think as an artist, you can bring also to the developer at that point of view, you know, like, I mean, usually developers are not really, they don't really care about having that dialogue, but you could be like, okay, I'm doing all this stuff, but you guys, I don't know, I've done that. And then you guys have to donate uh, this money to like, I don't know, a local school or a local art program or, or like, oh, I'm going to bring, I've done that like with kids of kids before, like, okay, I'm going to bring two or three people that they, you know, go through this program and you guys gonna pay them too. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, there's ways to make people do the right thing intelligently, you know? But I think the most important thing is to also think it as a, as a project, you know, like some of these projects can bring a lot of money to the artists. And like with those projects, with that money that you bring in, then you can do like three projects in Cambodia, you know, if you want to save the, the world. Like, I think, you know, it's, it's important to find like a balance. It's valuable to try to make people think about how they can be more include more of like the local people that I guess they're gentrifying you know which is, is which is true yeah but, I really like the like the artists coming with ideas or I mean obviously it would be great if the developer already yeah but the developers are thinking but, about the units not the art yeah like it's like when you do right. the project when I did the Google, the Google project when I did the stuff there you know, I was working with architects and construction and I went to the meeting and they're talking about the counter size and the counter of the kitchen and they start leaking. They're not thinking about your art, you know? You're like, you're like the fun part of the project. They're dealing with a hundred million things. That's another thing, like, you have to take it personally, like, you know, like, you just have to be like, hey, how about we do this? And we were, oh, that's an awesome idea. You know, like, you have to think that when there is a construction going on, the least of the problems is your mural. You know, it really is. You're like the, the you're like the the confetti of the party. Everything totally. else is a fucking mess, but you're the confetti of the party. So you have to, you know, think about that and like, you know, it, it's just how it is. That's not like, you know. So it's like your job to try to like bring that to their attention. I mean, you know, some pro if they're not doing anything wrong, I mean, some projects are, are for pro just for profit, and it's, that's okay too because you know you have to pay for college for your ch children. And you have to like continue traveling the world. And like, you know, the way to do that is to also have projects that pay you well. You know, like what well, for me was unacceptable is to take shared payments from people that actually are spending millions of dollars in building something, you know, make sure that you're getting a fair pay. Cause you're like, oh, my budget is a thousand dollars. How is your budget a thousand dollars if you're building, a, making a building of like $40 million? <laughs> Explain to me, you know? Yeah. No, no, because then we don't have a budget for that. Ah, oh, well, okay, so maybe you want to relocate your budget a little bit, my friend. You know, like, those are the things that I, I tell artists, like, don't tell yourself short. When there's money coming and going, you have to make sure that you get a little bit of it. Definitely. 
Because, you know, in Brooklyn, everybody paints for free. I, I, I honestly, I'm in dismay every time I hear people keep painting for free. I, I don't understand. You're like ruining us all. And these are artists who have done projects before. It's not like their first project that they want to do for free. No, but, you know, I understand. Listen, I have painted for free, but like in murals that I really wanted to do and stuff. But like, I understand you do it for an organization or for stuff, but like, not for I don't know. Time. You should get some sort of like pavement or paint or something. I don't know. It's just I don't know. Maybe I'm too old now, so I I I I don't I don't want to do it. No, but I, also, I, I agree. Don't, but I also I don't think you you're helping your 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 art community either, because if all artists would say no, we're not painting for free. I tell you, half of the fucking murals in New York wouldn't exist. Yeah. You know. Also, it just it devalues what the art besides the actual art of the work there's also physical work involved and a lot of logistical work like there's there's a ton of work going on that you're just devaluing if you're not getting paid anything for it yeah i mean mean, besides your own work i should feel like if imagine if all artists would have the coherency right and the this decision of saying, you know what, our work is valuable and we're not going to fucking paint for free anymore. If everybody would do that, everybody would start getting paid. I mean, it's just because nobody will paint murals. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, or maybe like just the really young people and they will, uh, you know, they're just starting and like, you know, then people will realize, well, if I want to have like a nice mural by a person that is a professional, I have to pay for it. Right. I mean, and that's how it should be. Yeah. Are you reading or listening to anything that's inspiring you right now that you want to share? I actually, I just finished uh, reading the, the book Wild by Cheryl Stray. That is like uh, the story of a woman that she climbed the PCP by herself. You know, the Pacific Atlantic Trail. And she's hiking or whatever made me want to go hike, even though I'm in freaking lockdown. But I thought it was really nice and honest the way the voice of the woman is like uh, really honest. And I loved it. It's like an easy read also. It's like a very pleasant like novel. I actually heard there's a movie of it that I have not watched. And now I'm reading something that's a little more technical that it's like, uh, I mean, I always read while I read stuff, a couple of books. I'm reading again, Mary Oliver, a poetry book that I love. I have a lot of her books. I love her poetry. And when I read poetry, it makes me want to paint. So like, I imagine a lot of my paintings are based on on like poetry that I read that make me imagine things, you know. And then I'm reading in another book, I don't remember the author, but I posted it on Instagram. It's uh, called Culturas Hibridas. It it means like uh, hybrid cultures that really talks about the process of like girls like you and me, that like how the mix of the global cultures is making like hybrid cultures of like mixed, you know, mix of different elements and immigration and, and stuff. So the book talks about how these hybridations work. So it's like a lot more technical, but it's very interesting. It's like very anthropological. I went for to college for anthropology for a couple of years. So I still like those nerdy philosophy books. So, but when I read that, I always read like poetry and other stuff that are fun. And then for a playlist, I don't know, for music, I have hundreds and hundreds of playlists. I'm not, I haven't been like a podcast person. I, I don't know why I don't get into it, you know, like uh, even sometimes the voices on the music bother me. So I, I will listen to cl- classical music, you know, because so because when I paint, especially I don't like to think about any specific thing, you know, so like I like the idea of the classical music, like, I don't know, theater here in Argentina, Teatro Colón is uh, having a lot of like uh, 
symphony and a, and a lot of stuff for free, you know, up online. So I, I listen to other operas or, uh, you know, Tchaikovsky, the, <laughs> the Swan Lake, you know, I love to hear that when I paint. So I, I've been like playing that music a lot at home. So, you know, it really depends. And then when I want to get in a good mood, yeah, I put like I don't know trashy reggaeton to like work out, you know, like <laughs> so he's very he's very all over the place. But like I prefer to share my intellectual taste than my trashy taste. <laughs> well, we'll link to the books in the in the show notes and maybe maybe a playlist. Okay, cool, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you wish that I had asked that I didn't ask? I think that you were actually really really uh, thorough, but you know, I I for me. Uh, especially, you know, since we both have Latin American roots, I think now that I'm here also, I just have such a bigger comprehension of the way that we are, you know, because we are very different in a very Saxon world, because we like it or not, especially seeing all the stuff in, that's happening in U.S. that is ridiculous, that has the most diverse population of the planet, only one country, and how dysfunctionally it's working now, you know. I think the experience of like Latina women in U.S. economy, you know, it's a it's a very important topic that we all shall visit. I mean, for me, it's, it's like you never know want your work to be recognized because you're either a woman or you're Spanish or you're this. But I think our culture and our you know the way the things that we learn really reflect on the work that I do. Obviously, for me, the most obvious way to see that is through the color. I think the topic of your descendant and how you honor your descendant and your culture in a place and in a time that is not being embraced is very important, you know? I mean, that's just really like a commentary on it because I feel like Mexico as in Argentina and like a lot of countries in Latin America have a lot of problems that are mostly due to corruption and government, but the culture of the tradition and the arts and the colors are things that have so many years of tradition and I, I think that's one of the reasons also that I love to paint in Mexico you know and I and I think embracing our descendants and be really proud of where we come is the evolution of, of culture in, in US you know I, I think especially for us for Latinos so many generations of Latino they've been trying to wipe that off from the children and try to make them be as white as possible and and I, I think as rep, sort of representatives of culture in U.S., it's very important that we are really loud and proud of, of, of the culture that made us, you know. So that's really the only, I guess, comment for me that I, I think more than ever, I think it's important to to represent very proudly where we where are the places that we come from and the fact that there is room for all of us to live in peace in such a great country that I think is going through a lot of like ideological trouble now but yeah I think it's to to really embrace the places that you come from and be really proud of of all all that it's really important now so that that would be the only thing <laughs> No, thank you for that. It, it's something that I think can get kind of complicated, especially like for me, I'm multiple generations. My great grandparents or great great grandparents came over from Mexico or the US. You know, there's there's so many different ways in which people have how and, and how their ancestors got here or how they got here. And I think there's a lot of tension tied up in that, like particularly in the, Lat the Latinx community or the Latina community yeah. of like how 
Latina you are or not, or like how brown you are or not, or how yeah, black, but like the there's just so like, many you know, different. For me, like in the beginning, even the Latin, in the Latin community, I'm like, I'm too white. You're not yeah. like Latina, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, and, and it's just something that they, they sell there. Like, you know, Latino people, we are all colors too, you know, like we all have very different backgrounds and we all do very different things, but you know, we're human beings, you know, but I think just the cliches, you know, that there are around our communities are, are, it's just ridiculous even within our community you know like um i think they are all like valuable you know very valuable like conversations you know to have now about identity and you know like it or not even if it's like four generations in the weight of of your culture it's it's always there with you Right. Yeah. Well, and having solidarity, which is something in the past 10 years I've definitely come closer to is that we do need to collectively celebrate ourselves and not, not be so individualistic about things, I think is hopefully we'll yeah but that, that that's what I'm saying like you know like I mean even even I realized with my kid like you know like I wish when I lived in US like he speaks Spanish so poorly like I but I always like okay just leave him like I wish I'd be like more pressing about like you know you really have to do it wow and I think also a conversation that I've been sort of like starting in my head because also this book that I'm reading you know um and because you know in Argentina also too like all the people here I mean the how loud we are and everything it's like you know immigration from the first and second world of all Italian and Spaniards and you know also it's like a very much of a melting pot you know so I, I think it's very interesting how because there's a lot of racism here too against different nationalities it's very important that I think not for me as a protest but you know that that through your work you celebrate your community and 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 your identity you know so that's about it (laughs) where can our listeners connect with you online well you can uh look at the old-fashioned like the old-fashioned way on my website that i guess like nobody even visits anymore it's a magdalove.nyc my instagram it's at magdalovart so if you guys uh get a hold of me probably i'm not very good with emails as you would know (laughs) because i have like 600 emails that i have not read yet but uh but if you dm me or never stuff that's probably usually the fastest way to come <laughs> I know the secret now. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, you know, I have all the all the social medias, but I think like Facebook, I do this is my setup. But you know, if you Google, you'll you'll find me there somewhere. I'll link to everything so people can find you. And thank you so much for chatting today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I miss you. Miss all my New Yorkers. <laughs> I know. I we miss you. We will soon be together. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of First Coat. If you like this podcast, please leave a review. Make sure to subscribe to the First Coat podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at First Coat Podcast or at Distill Creative. First Coat is a production of my company, Distill Creative. Check us out at distillcreative.com.